Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Sample Hour. I'm your host, at Drew Sample, on Twitter, um, or just Drew Sample. Um, Today, we're joined by Charles Hugh Smith, um, writer of the Of Two Minds um, blog, so it's ofTwoMinds.com. Check out his blog. It's pretty awesome. I found him on Zero Hedge. Um, Pick up his book, Get a Job, Build a Real Career, Defy a Belittering Economy. He's wrote about 14 other books, too, and I'm sure they're just as good. Um, But uh, had a blast talking to Mr. Hugh Smith and uh, Mr. Charles Hugh Smith, and uh, he is going to probably be back. I think we're going to start doing something where him and I um, record about once a month, Um, and it should be pretty cool. We talked quite a bit after we got done recording, and just an all-around awesome guy. Um, again, I, I call him a renaissance man and I think it's, it's very true. Um, so anyways, guys, uh, real quick, Tom Segura this weekend, Saturday, we're going to be at the Columbus Funny Bone if you want to come hang out. Um, so it should be a fun time, a little death squad, Ohio meetup. Um, so I think we're going to do, um, we'll do like a pre-party at World of Beer and then we'll head over to, uh, the 10 o'clock show at, um, at the Funny Bone. And what else is going on? Um, that's pretty much it. Another hot comedy show is going to be coming up soon, probably November. And then there's another comedy show in October with the um, Race to the Coffin crew. They're going to make another trip back to Columbus. If you guys are in the area and you didn't see them, you should come. They're very funny guys. Um, and that's it, guys. So um, enjoy this this episode. I, I had a lot of fun recording it. Um, and I hope you guys learn a lot. I mean, Charles creates, like, he provides a lot of insight, and he's a very intelligent human being. Um, so, Charles, thanks again for doing the show, and uh, looking forward to our next our next recording with each other. And everybody else, enjoy the show. everybody to another episode i'm very honored to have a blogger writer i would i would call renaissance man i don't i don't know you that well charles but just based on looking at your website all your interests and reading your blog now for quite some so many months now and kind of just seeking out for content that you've put on the internet um honored to have you on for anybody that doesn't know he is the host of of two minds or not the host but the or the writer of the of two minds blog I discovered him on Zero Hedge. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zero Hedge. If not, you should check it out. Um, Mr. Charles Hugh Smith, how are you doing today, sir? Good, Drew. Thank you very <laughs> much for um, inviting me onto the show. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's been an honor. We were talking before we started recording, and it was starting to get good. So, uh, But uh, basically, you know, just to catch the listeners up, uh, we were, I was just talking to Charles about my own experiences and uh, – so Charles just wrote a book. It's called uh, – I always forget the name of the title of your book, Charles. 
uh, get a job, uh, build a real career, and defy a bewildering economy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, I, I picked it up off Amazon. It's on Kindle, and actually, if you subscribe to the new uh, Kindle Unlimited, you can actually read it for free if you're a subscriber. And also, I like the paperback. I'm a paperback book fan. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great great book so far. I'm I'm about halfway through. I mean, I've read read your blog for a while, but for people that don't know. Um, in a gist, I mean, you know, the book's just about what, what it's going to take for us to be successful in this economy. And, uh, and I was talking to Charles about, uh, I mean, two things that really kind of strike me is human capital and social capital. And, uh, you know, something about this podcast that, uh, I was talking to Charles about is, a podcast you're not going to make a lot of money from. And that's like the funny thing. Like you don't podcast to make money. However, when it comes to social capital and, and opening doors and getting able to network and to position myself to possibly, you know, maybe do some entrepreneurial things with other people or just, you know, promote comedy shows or produce comedy shows like I have, it has been a very effective tool for social capital. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, that idea, and, and I'm kind of getting lost here, Charles, because I, I was trying to catch everybody up, and in the process of catching everybody up, I lost myself. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if you if you wouldn't mind just kind of expanding on that stuff, I mean, like, so I mean, we were talking about, uh, oh yeah, so we were talking about baby boomers, and like the book, your book is really written for my generation and, and younger. Like I'm 29 years old, and uh, I think it's so powerful because like. We have been sold on this idea that, you know, just go to school, get good grades, get a good job with benefits. And I know for me personally, at about probably year five of college, well, probably year three, I started to figure it out. But year five of college, I really knew that it was not happening. And like, and I, and I went to adventures of like network marketing because it was like, you know what, this is something that's attractive. It's something that's different. And I learned a lot, but that wasn't really the answer for me. And, um, so I, I think, I think what your book is saying, um, is, uh, it, it's, it's just ex- incredibly powerful. And I think for, uh, for my generation is, is I think your book and, and Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week, I think have been two really big influential books in my life right now. Yeah, Drew. Well, it was interesting for me to hear your story because I think you've been living the real world and and um, adapting and responding to um, the economy we have, not the economy that we were supposed to have or we might have or the economy from 30 years ago that people still try to relate to. And um, what I see is the old models are broken. The old model was a college degree had value because very few people had one. And um, the economy was growing because the U.S. had the largest economy and it had, um, you know, all the, all the, uh, the, it was sort of the center of the global economy. It had the most money, it had the manufacturing base, it had the capital, and so on. But the world has changed and, you know, it's globalized. And um, whether we like every aspect of globalization or not, you know, some of it is really good. Like, hey, you know, I like Korean hip hop too. (laughs) You know, in other words, the globalization is has good and bad, and of course, a lot of people hammer on the bad part that you know manufacturing is um, now a global commodity. And so, if you're a manufacturer, you don't feel loyalty to a nation; you feel loyalty to your own survival, which means you got to like find the cheapest way to produce this stuff. And 
Um, and we can't really be blind to, to that, you know, um, and, and wish it would all go back to 1958 or whatever, because it's not. <laughs> and so that leaves us, you know, in the present adapting to stuff that we can't really fully understand because we're not able to look in the rearview mirror. You know, somebody 50 years from now will go, oh, yeah, we could see that that those guys in the in the early 2000s and the 21st century, they were dealing with um, – the the third industrial revolution and it was just as as traumatic and and um, turbulent as the the um, f- first two industrial revolutions that you know forced people off the farm and put them in um, urban factories with horrible conditions and you know all the stuff that we know about so we're going through this uh, an equivalent change but it's not a repeat of the of the first two industrial revolutions it's it's a revolution of networking you know thanks to the internet and the web and globalization and um, facing the reality that a lot of um, jobs are being replaced by robots software um, automated um, systems and so like where do we find our way in that kind of changing environment and as you said our our lodestone you know like what we have as human beings is social capital and human capital the ability to work with other people and and solve problems using not just our own skills which we call human capital but the skills of everybody we know which is what we call social capital yeah, that's uh, – and what was interesting, before I read your book, my friend and I were having a conversation. I was trying to like – like because I, I – like just from we, – we were talking about earlier, like I was working at a nightclub and I was a door guy. And I remember I went somewhere and like – and I'd always take care of people there, but I never went out because it wasn't really my scene. And then like some random club person, the club patron had seen me out in public and I was with a couple girls. And uh, he just picked up my tab. And I was like, you know – it doesn't pay me a lot of money to work there, but it pays me in, like, social currency. And then when I read social capital, I was like, that's a way better term for it. Um, and But it's it's absolutely right. I mean, like, I think that, uh, like, for for us to continue to think that, like, the old way, like, my, my dad just retired from Jeep. And, like, my dad is probably one of the last generation of people that are going to be able to work at a company for 30 years and retire, and he was able to do it at the age of 55, but that life isn't there for, for me, and, I, and I'm not confident in 401ks, I'm not confident in Roth IRAs, and I think that, uh, I think that in reality, I think like, it, it, like you know, building on, um, building on, like, I guess, I, th- I think we need to focus more on developing ourselves, and developing our own, like, creative, creative creativity, and I think just, just, I guess, too, like, Learning how to leverage, just like what she said. I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking in circles, Charles. I'm a little bit excited to talk to you. <laughs> well, you know, Drew, it, it, it's difficult to talk about these things because they're a little squishy. You know, it's like um, the the old model was really kind of crisp. Okay, you get your degree, then you send out 100 resumes, you get 10 interviews, um, you know, you get an offer, you go to work there. Um, you know, and and that's the what we might call Plan A, right? And um, I think that what's tough for people, um, you know, in in their twenties and in their late teens, you know, is that um, that model's broken. I mean, it works for a few people, but 
Um, you know, part of the part of the year I live um, in Berkeley, California, and then um, part of the year in Hawaii. And so um, here in Berkeley, you know, there's a big campus, and and um, um, we all know how colleges and universities work. And and so, you know, the idea that you can just get a, a, if you get a higher degree and you go to a more prestigious school that you're going to somehow get in at, ahead of that line, y- you know, that, that worked in the old days because there were fewer people in line. Now, w- I mean, I know a lot of people who have PhDs um, and a lot of postdoc experience. You know, you'd think that it would be slam dunk for them to get a, a good, you know, secure job. No way. They're competing with hundreds of other people that are equally qualified, yeah. PhDs, postdocs. Uh, so, in other words, that that is we call it like degree inflation. You know, like you can never get ahead of that system. You know, like okay, somebody you think you're going to get a master's degree? Sorry, somebody else has a PhD ahead of you. You think you got a PhD? Oh, well, they're a postdoc with a published paper. Uh, well, I'm going to get three published papers. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's like it that does. That model is broken, and so the and people need to have a plan B and even a plan C, and so yeah. f- for me, uh, and I, again, as we were speaking before the show started, I've knocked around a lot of different jobs, and yeah, I have a college degree, and I, I found the process interesting and fun, but uh, I can't say I've ever made any money off of my degree. Um, and um, what I've looked for is like, how can I get more skills and how can I meet people who can help me find um, work that I like doing? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think uh, skills is such an important thing. Um, what was like, what's, and I, and I think what's interesting too, like for me, like I'm in sales now and I, that was like the last career when I was studying school that I ever thought I would go into. But it, it's it really I didn't realize that it was a skill and I didn't realize what I was doing when I was reading all these books on sales and working out my sales process was just refining a skill. Um, and then when I had time off, it was like, you know, I'm going to learn how to edit my podcast. And then I and then I became a pretty good editor and then people started paying me money to edit a podcast for them. And, and, it, and, it, and it just you, you just kind of build from there. And, it, and it's and I think, you know. I think something that's interesting about like skills and just our culture in general is we're so obsessed with entertaining ourselves and it's like, it's like this consuming entertaining like kind of society. And I think in reality we should probably be focusing more on like, like just what you're saying, like skills, like how could I, okay, let's look in what's, what's going on in my local community. You know, Oh, there's, there's, Oh, I could learn how to repair a bike and then I could have like, transportation like local transportation and then i could i could learn how to do my own bike repair and i think like just like different things like that and i think um if that makes sense like i'm like i think you know i I, one of your blogs too you were talking about like local resiliency and like trying to stay local and i'm sorry i feel like i'm going all over the place charles um but i think like it it all kind of ties together like with skills and everything like you know Learning how to like build that network and kind of go from there, I think is is just super important. You know, Drew, what what I kind of hear in your life experience is um, a concept that uh, it's not original to me. It was invented by some systems analyst type guys, and it's called um, the strength of weak ties. and And what it is is a systems uh, term. Um, but it actually applies to social capital, and that's how I talk about it. And um, what I hear in, in your story, and, and all of us share this story, is 
the people that we know intimately, you know, our family and close friends, um, from a systems analysis point of view, we all know the same stuff. We all, we all know the sort of the same people we hang out together. So there's no new information coming from those people. It's, it's not, um, it's rare to get something that somebody doesn't already know. And, um, so what it turns out is like work and jobs and new projects and new knowledge come from the, the friends of your friends. Right. And so mm -hmm. the, that's the so-called weak ties because it's the friend of a friend might know somebody that needs a podcast edited. And then they, they, um, your friend goes, Oh, well, Drew edits, he can do that for you. And then the other person is like, fantastic, you know, cause I didn't know anybody. And, you know, and then, then that leads to paying work to, for you. And then you become sort of this um, nexus, you know, like in the middle of this, um, this network where people start knowing that Drew can um, do podcasts. He's um, edited some, some comedy stuff. And um, he's also experienced in sales so that, you know, maybe he can help me figure out how to launch my product. And, and I wanted to speak real quickly about sales, you know, which has a mixed reputation. But I think in, in the kind of economy that we have where a lot of manufactured stuff is commodity, then the, the job of the salesperson is to take like an entrepreneurial idea and maybe help somebody that, that has this great idea but doesn't know how to get it out there in the world and then connect to the, the, the outfits that are selling the commodity parts to the product or the service and then, and then sort of bring everybody together. And so I think that, you know, in a way, your sales experience is a good example of how social capital can bring together various people who wouldn't be able to succeed on their own, but together, then they, they can make something happen. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, do, you, do you think like, uh, like, do you think it's important for people to, uh, I mean, along with like learning skills, do you think like, like. I mean, just like reading your books and uh, like reading your website and like recommended books, like, like how, how important do you think it is? Like, you, just your own education or your own like people to, f for people to focus on like to be successful in like the new economy. How important do you think it is for people to develop themselves? Like, in a sense of like, just I guess like not necessarily self help books, but kind of along that line. Like, do you think that's kind of important? Like, in a sense of like how to enter, because like in your book you talk about like. And it, and it ties back into sales, but like the interacting or knowing how to like when you're in a situation, how to how to communicate effectively. Um, do you think that that kind of goes a long way, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely, Drew. And, um, you know, I use this term um, permanent adolescence and um, and I use that to describe this sort of consumerist passive mindset that you, you referenced earlier in the in the program, you know, like where we're sort of just um, – trained by uh, the media and, and corporate sort of um, you know, influence to be passive and sort of just say, well, it's, um, I just want what I want and, and to respond, um, to use debt to buy stuff. And um, it's sort of like being a teenager, but never becoming an adult, you know, never maturing to being like um, someone that, that um, has self-control and a plan and um, self-discipline and all that stuff. So those, those kind of inner elements are are even more critical in, in the kind of economy that we have now where like in the good old days okay you go to the factory or you go to the your office cubicle and you take some orders from somebody you know some supervisor and you sort of like plow through as, as little work as you have to to get a paycheck um, you know those kind of <laughs> that kind of environment um, doesn't really 
develop um, the kind of skills that that um, are rewarded in the economy we have, which include like self-discipline and and having a plan. Um, and that's where I go back to plan A, plan B, plan C. You know, plan A is, you know, you send out 100 resumes and, and um, something good happens and you're offered a job. And like from what I can gather, people send out 1,000 resumes and they don't even get one response. <laughs> so you got to have plan B. And plan B is kind of what we're talking about is try to plan out like what do you like doing that, that actually is um, – potentially makes money and and try to get skills that are different from each other you know like for me that was like i i kind of got a degree in philosophy which was um as i always say prepared me to either be a cab driver or a carpenter (laughs) (laughs) and i chose carpentry um but um i think that um when you look at people who seem to be doing well and not just making money but um they seem to be happy with their lives they have a variety of skills so that if one is a dead end they got something else working for them and um say so for you you're um editing you know you, you're an audio um video editor and you've got sales and then you're making all these contacts through your podcast and um i, I think that's what's really exciting is um how big your um, your network has become and so not only is that going to help you but you're going to help other people you know connect to other people who can um, help them further their goals and so um, I know it sounds like a cliche to say well what's left for us humans in a world of robots and software and stuff well we we solve problems you know yeah and, and we provide value because um, you know I don't want to just deal with a robot and I don't think anybody does. We we don't mind being served by a robot at you know fast food or whatever, but you know we still want human interaction, and we're willing to pay for that. Yeah, I I completely agree. And like something you were saying uh, about the podcast and doing talents, like my my one friend, uh, he just started like this. Uh, I just want to kind of say an example. Like he just started this wrestling blog or this wrestling like. Uh, I guess you could say a, a blog. I think he's trying to make it uh, like a dead spin for professional wrestling. He's like really passionate. It's something he's interested in. And so I had another friend that lived in Arkansas, and he was looking like for contributors who I'd met through podcasts. And I was like, oh, you should you should talk to Corey. And like Corey's been writing a bunch of articles for him. And it's like, and it felt good to kind of like pass on that lead to just basically allow two people to like enjoy their passion together. And it was. And, it, and it, even if it has, it doesn't have a monetary benefit yet, like it could in the future. And um, and then, what did you just say? I'm sorry, I keep distracting myself, Charles. Uh, <laughs> such <laughs> podcast host shouldn't really be on one of my skills. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing, but uh, no, I I agree. Like I think um, uh, I think I think that the um, wow. Um, so so let's let's take a step back here. So. So, so skills and everything else like that, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, for today's economy, like, what's, what's interesting is, you know, growing up, like, we were always told, you know, don't play video games because, you know, you know how, you're not going to make any money doing that, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, man, that's a, that's a pretty booming industry these days because a lot of people like video games. And I, and I had a friend who, who actually, like, ended up, like, didn't listen to his, his mom. And he was like, he didn't actually finish his school, and he just kept kept doing video games. He kept playing, you know, Madden. And then from Madden, he created this online community. Like, or he actually in, he bought this uh, this site, and it was like for for people to game together. 
And from there, he ended up like EA ended up like finding him because he had like the largest online Madden community. And so EA was like, hey, let's give you a job. And then he was like a producer on a TV show for ESPN where people just went around playing Madden to each other. And I think like so to get back to what you're saying, like making money in a sense of um, making it a money in, in a sense of things that you're actually interested in. Um, I mean, I think like you people should take their hobbies and try to take their hobbies and see, okay, well, how can, how can I justify this hobby? Like, how can I turn this hobby into, into a profession or how can I make some money from doing this activity? And I think it, it, it and it kind of all ties together in, in, in a sense of like, you know, like, it, you know, I'm trying to, man, I'm trying to put this all into words, Charles, because like, I just kind of like thought about this when I was talking to you. Um, and I think it, 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 it just kind of goes together, like, to the human interaction. That's what I wanted to talk about um, uh, with, with uh, automated systems and everything else like that. Um, you know, people do want human interaction. Like, people, people long to hear conversations. I mean, that's why podcasting is so popular now, or video casting, because people don't, people don't want to just listen to the radio and then hear a bunch of advertisements. People actually want to hear real conversations. And, and I think, like, people want real interactions with other human beings. And I think, like, um, if that makes sense, I kind of, man, I keep confusing myself, Charles. My apologies. <laughs> no, no. It's, um, I think what, what we're talking about is, is, again, it's very difficult to talk about these things. Um, number one, our culture doesn't really have much of a vocabulary or a place to talk about, let's say, authenticity. That's what we're kind of talking about. And so much of our culture is phony. You know, we're being, um, we're, our perception is being managed by, you know, the central banks and the central government who, who desperately want us to believe some whatever propaganda they're, they're pumping out about how great everything is or how great a job they're doing or, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, and then we're try- constantly being sold something um, for somebody else's benefit and that they're trying to convince us it's actually benefiting us. And so, you know, there's, um, our BS detector is is set on maximum uh, all the time, right? It, yeah. Because that's the kind of culture we live in, and so you know that what you're kind of speaking to is the authenticity of actually, you know, finding people who are authentic and um, uh, in their interests and and what they're doing, and 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 they have that passion, and that they're willing to to um, work hard to learn something difficult and um, because they're interested in it and they have find value in it. And, you know, I just want to mention a model that's come out of Japan. And, you know, Japan has been broken. Their economy has been broken for 20 years. You know, it doesn't work. You know, a few people get the good jobs and and, a lot, and everybody else is working part-time at 7-Eleven, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they have this um, idea because um, they have a lot of um, – they have a lot of abandoned villages and, and, and the rural areas have been, um, you know, most young people leave just like in the States. And so the model that's, um, that seems to be catching on there is called half farmer, half X. And there's a TEDx talk about it. A Japanese lady speaks about it if you want to look it up. But um, what it is, is, you know, you go out in, in the real world, you grow some food. And, and it's not super lucrative, but it's like real work, and and you're creating a product that people need. Then the other part of your life, the other half, you do what you like, you, you know, and and that could be, you know, as we're talking about anything. And so, but having some income, creating something that people need, in this example, food, 
you know, then you're free. Uh, you know, you're not like homeless living in a cardboard box. You know, you've got some income and then that allows you to leverage up what you want to do. And if you don't make a ton of money from that, well, you know, you're living your life the way you want to. And, and yeah. there's a value in that. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. I think, uh, like, uh, having, being in a position where you can just bet on yourself and not, yeah. uh, and, and I think that's, that's so important. Like, like right now, I mean, like I discussed, like I work for a big corporation and, and I'm realistic about it. Like maybe this is going to pay me well for the next three years, but like in my line of work, like I'm expendable if I'm not producing, like I am a, what if, I'm in a position where it's, what have you done for me lately? And I'm always going to have, if I'm not performing, I'm already, I'm already going to be hard on myself. I'm going to have somebody else breathing down my neck because somebody else is breathing down their neck. And it's, it's, you know, and, and like, to me, this is just an opportunity to gain capital. And, um, and I think, you know, man, it's so, that, that makes so much sense, especially with like, uh, cause I mean, after reading, um, the blog, you, you put out the PDF about the steps to becoming locally resilient. I think one of your, your readers sent it to you, that PDF. Right. And, uh, and, and like my friends and I, like, we really want to buy some land. We looked into starting our own credit union and we saw, oh, it only costs about a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's really not that much money. And like, but the important thing about that PDF is it just shows everything you need locally and everything that you could do locally to, to, to get there. And I think that's so important. And I think like with that, that, that farmer slash X, um, business model or just uh economic level like i mean even if it's it's something that you can do on the internet or or just anything growing food or any handcrafted skill or any like crafted skill like like even if like you said being a carpenter or just making things by hand i think that's i think like we're we're missing that um in in our in our, and kind of like in our just in our society i mean we we have like the greatest tools of the internet of knowledge and everything, and all we do is look at each other's Facebook photos and take selfies and all this <laughs> other weird stuff. We don't use it to educate ourselves. We don't like think, okay, there's people that think like me. Let me find them because people, um, and and that was something that I was just thinking about too, and you know, um, to just kind of tie everything together, like with. Uh, Using like the networking part or for social capital, like I just like through the podcast, I was invited to this like big agorism um, festival. It's the the Jackal Freedom Festival. My friend Alma Summer puts it on. It's like up in like the national forest of Arizona. And something that was like interesting when I was there, and like because I'd already been a part of an online community where people like were just wearing out people that weren't interested in the same things they were, but they wanted to talk about it. And like it, it what was kind of interesting at first is something that I noticed um, was that like when people first get together, they don't necessarily like it's not like something that's just fluid. Like oh, this is okay, we're on the same things. They're still feeling each other out, and it's like and, and I feel like it's like hard for them to believe that okay, there are people out there that are like me. We might not have all the same interests, but we have very similar interests. You know, there's some there's some parts that you know we don't see eye to eye on, but we have enough commonalities that like we could work together. Like we could actually build something together. And I think sometimes too, it takes people a while to like, think like, okay, well, why wouldn't you want to go into business with people that think like you? Or why wouldn't you want to build a community or opt out of our society that we have now? That's like, you know, militarized police, uh, just a 
all in all just kind of fraudulent economy and it's just like my favorite term that you use is filled with monetary heroin and uh, (laughs) and it's like everything is so manufactured falsely and it's like you know people want real organic things and like with the internet and with social capital, I mean, you really can, like, and, and I've been fortunate enough to find people via the internet that are locally around me that think very similar to I do. Like, like I said, we're not, we're not the same people by any means. We're very different people, but we all have different interests. We all, like, my one friends want to become falconeers, which is, like, pretty crazy. Like, you know, I guess it's this thing and you, you go and you catch a bird and you teach a bird how to... And you put it on your arm and it was just like, well, that's interesting. And it's like, (laughs) but it's like, but that's a skill and that's something that's kind of cool. And it's something that like, and I think like these skills, like just all in all, like, uh, the book, uh, it kind of makes me think of the book of five rings that about the, uh, the samurai who always talked about like, you know, he was a poet, he was a warrior and it's like, you know, you have to, and it kind of goes back to developing yourself. Like it kind of comes all around like, and we don't, and right now we're all like kind of stuck in this, you know, um, debt slave, wage slave society where we're, we're not really free. We're really just slaves. And like, and with the local resiliency, you know, you have your own community, you have your own economy, you have your own, you have time to develop yourself, uh, artistically or to develop yourself, um, intellectually or to, to develop more skills or, learn blacksmithing, learn carpentry, learn plumbing, learn electrical. And it's, uh, and I think it's, that idea is very exciting. And I think like, and it's, and it's interesting because like for me, like everything's so daunting because there's so many things that are wrong in the world. And like, and I, I I swear if someone just read my posts and they didn't like on social networking and they didn't actually know me, they wouldn't actually know like how positive of a human being I am because like all I talk about is how bad shit is. But if if you don't acknowledge how bad shit is, you, you can't look to, to make changes. And I think like making changes locally, I mean that's 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 like that's the start. And I think like the local resiliency and, and like the message you say is like I think it's like those are all the tools you need to be successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, Drew, and I feel the same way myself. A lot of people email me and they go, you know, okay, what do you what do you recommend though in, in terms of being positive? And um because the system, as a, as a system, is um, flawed. I mean, it's toast. I mean, it's going to collapse because, as you say, it's all based on monetary heroin and a, and a fraudulent sort of um, Ponzi scheme. And so everybody that's counting on the government to, like, save them and provide everything, you know, food stamps and, and my pension and all that stuff, it's all like, well, where is that, where is that money coming from? And it's like, well, you can print it. But it, it doesn't mean that you've created wealth, right? I mean, if we wanted to summarize what's wrong with the whole current system, you can't print wealth. Wealth is the things we're talking about, stuff that's actually made, that's useful, problems are solved, human capital, social capital. That's the real world. And so you can't print that stuff. And so um, that's why the system's going to break down. And so what we're talking about on the positive side, in my view, is we want to create a parallel world. We don't even want to waste our time trying to reform something that's um, breaking down because we can't do it. 
the powers that be have got that wired and they think it's um, the only way to go and, and they've got um, control of the media and the government and all that stuff. For, okay, so forget that guy. Let's just focus on what we can do, which is create a parallel alternative kind of way of living. And we don't need to reform the system. The system can just go on and do its own thing. And so um, that's um, another way of saying that is security comes not from depending on uh, corporate America or the government, but um, on our network. Yeah. Like on and our, uh, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. No, no, no. And I just really liked what you said. Bet on yourself. And um, that seems so scary, but actually I think it's much um, more secure than like betting that the government's going to be able to print enough money for me to retire in 28 years. Yeah, I think the scarier thing is, is that like through uh, as, uh, you know, at government education or as uh, a previous guest I just had on Gino Denning said, really just uh, um, government. Uh, oh, man, what term did he use? <laughs> it's such an easy word to remember, but I just can't think of it. But uh, not uh, man. What's it called? It's uh, institutionalization. Oh, right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not taught to bet on ourselves. We're taught to, to get a job, rely on somebody else. Somebody else will handle that. You know, call the police to defend yourself. But in reality, I mean, if, if you have a home invader and they have, a, they have a gun and it's right in front of your face, it's too late. You know, the police aren't going to help you. Um, you know, medical care, like, you know, if, if it's a real emergency and, you know, you don't have somebody around that has medical stuff, I mean, I mean, luckily technology is pretty good with medical care, but then, you know, you're going to have to go to the hospital and then super inflated. I mean, every, you know, the hospital will charge you a godly amount of money because they know the insurance companies will pay. And it, 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 and it just goes on from there. And, it, and, it, and like the scary thing is that we are so afraid to bet on ourselves. And it's not because... It's not because like it's it's because we don't like we're taught to believe that we're, you know, from from a young age in school, like, you you know, you're taught that, you know, well, the gifted kids go in here, oh, you know, based on this standardized test, this person gets to an advanced class. And even though like you're probably just not challenged, you're bored or, you know, we're, we're just going to put everybody through the same education system, even not not necessarily realizing that every child is different and every child learns at their own pace or you know, they're not interested or they just, quite frankly, this kid wants to just go outside and play or he wants to go explore things. And it, and, it, and it's because you, you can't force, it's like, it's like our education system just forces people through this funnel. And so when you're forced through that funnel, you know, it, you know, the, the way, um, the way that education, like, I mean, even just luckily, I mean, I was defiant and I guess I was diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder, but like, I was told for a long time that I was, you know, not smart and I was put in like the slower level classes and I'm, and that, it was just cause I was bored and I didn't give a shit. I thought it was stupid <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, but like I was still beat down. Like I was beat down for a long time and then it got to the point like, you know, in reality, as long as you love yourself, like you'll learn that it's, it's, it's safer to bet on yourself. You can rely on yourself because you love yourself and you know Look, I can do this. I can do this. Like I know what I'm capable of, and, and and I think like once once you come to that point, it's not scary anymore. It's 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 actually quite exciting. Like what can I create? Oh man, I'm getting together with some of my best friends. We we want to build a community. We want to build Earthships, and we want to have Earthship greenhouses, and we want to have uh, 
you know, we want to have carpentry lessons. We want to teach kids classical education through our homeschool and teach them like the based on like the trivia method and all that stuff. And I think like that's exciting. Like that's exciting. Like what are, what think about like what that offspring can do in the world based on what and and it's more thinking in a sense of what can we create versus like what what is scarce and what what don't we have anymore and and it's and you know something you were saying too like the powers that be like they have so much vested interest because they're the system the, the system is really just fighting to stay alive in the sense even though it's already dying and it's dead does that make sense yeah absolutely somebody um another uh course but something like the current system is sort of like an airplane that's crashing, and we're trying to build a, a, another aircraft, you know, <laughs> before this one completely crashes, you know, it, and we're trying to build it in the air, and so it's um, that's part of why we're struggling. But you know, Drew, I want to go back and mention real quickly. You you mentioned the idea of starting um, like a credit union, and you know, you, you obviously have a lot of ideas, and you're tied into a lot of people who have good ideas, and what I think is kind of exciting, and it's we're really in the beginning of it is crowdsourcing crowdsourcing knowledge and also money you know and and we all know about kickstarter but kickstarter is like a donation right and and it's it's good but what um what i'm hoping to see develop is um something where people with too much money you know older people that have 401ks and they don't want to put it in the stock market or whatever they might you got 20 of them together they would put 5000 bucks in and you'd have your 100000 to start your credit union and they would be delighted to have an opportunity to invest in something that wasn't controlled by wall street and then um you and 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 your collaborators would actually be starting something real and mm-hmm. and to me that's the future and we're 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 in such the early stages of it that we can only discern the outline but it i think it's going to happen and i think it's very exciting yeah, that's that's true. I think um, that's something else too. Like talking about like crowdsourcing. Like, what's interesting is like I I have friends that had wanted to start a business together, and they were talking about going to banks to get loans approval. And they're like, "Oh, we got the bank loans." And I'm like, "Well, why don't you just get investors and cut the banks out?" Yeah. And like people like have this bad notion. Well, then you you know you don't really work for them. And I'm like, well, then you don't really have an investor. You you pretty much just have some asshole that gave you money. Like an investor, is somebody that says, "I trust you." And give me a return on this when, um, give me a return on this when you're able to, like, uh, like I mean, in the marijuana industry, well, I don't want to say marijuana because that's a bad term, but in the cannabis industry in, like, Colorado, um, there's this edibles company called Bang Chocolate. And they were, like, just, I mean, they just fancy bars, really nice packaging. And uh, they would just, like, had some venture capitalists just say, hey, here's $38 million. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Once you get to the point that you can pay me back, pay me back. And it's and it's just like, you know, there are people out there that are like that. And I think and if you yeah. have, if you have good ideas and you're putting out a good product or a good widget, like people are going to come to you because they want to get they want to put their money in something they believe in. Like your dollars or your currency, your bitcoin, your silver, whatever you want to use. Um, that is the real way that you vote. Like, I mean, that's that's the real way that you can um, that you can you can add to the system, or that's the real way that you can uh, um, make a difference in society. Is you know, like you know, that's that's one thing. Like, because I've been like you know, just this past year and a half, really kind of diving deep into the liberty movement. And that's something that I really see people missing on. 
is that it gets to the point where they don't know who to trust. Just like what you said, their, their BS meters way up. And it's like, you know, you, you know, you gotta just, <laughs> you gotta develop a system of like learning. I guess, I guess I would say critical thinking, like you got to develop a system of like how to, how to filter, you know, you got to study some logic and, and know how to, to vet out contradictions in a sense. And, uh, but to get back to it, like, I, like that's, that is exciting. And I think you like, I think you're absolutely right. Like people, my, I mean, like my grandpa tells me every time I talk to him, like, buddy, you know, your, your generation is going to have it rough. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be harder for anybody, but you know, if you guys can overcome it, you guys are going to be able to flourish more than anybody. And I think he's, I think he's absolutely right. I think the faster people start thinking differently than conventional society, um, the, the better it's going to be. And I think it is going to take time and there's going to be tough times and, you know, there's going to be a lot of crazy, probably violence. There's going to be a lot of crazy, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going hungry, but, you know, people are going to learn to survive. And I think, you know, it's going to be a tough time, but, you know, just like what you said, like all that monetary heroin that keeps going in and uh, your one blog you wrote about the forest fire was just absolutely brilliant about, uh, letting a forest kind of burn through so you can let the, the new growth happen. And that was just such a, such a brilliant metaphor. And, uh, and I think that's coming. And I think, it, you know, once, hopefully, once this, once people stop buying into this monetary thing and, you know, and I'm kind of hoping that, like, this whole Cold War 2.0, I hope it happens again where both Russia and Americans are just like, we don't want to be in war. And, and just like what happened with Syria, that was kind of exciting as well because people were just like, we don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, this isn't, like, everybody's been affected in my generation by people going over to Iraq over to Afghanistan and coming back with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Like, it's, it's a scary thing. Or, and so uh, I know I'm kind of getting off on tangents, but I think, like, the more we kind of... We, the, the more people... Unfortunately, like, the more... I, I feel like it's going to take more corruption for people to really... Just blatant corruption for people to wake up um, and kind of, like, start looking at different solutions. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And... You know, it's funny that um, a lot of people, I think, feel trapped, you know, yeah. um, especially once they have kids and um, they're older and they, they've, um, but you know what? Those people lose their jobs too. And then, um, and they have to change careers and um, they have to do the same kind of plan B and plan C. And, and if anything, it's tougher when you're in your 30s and 40s and, and maybe you have kids um, in college and whatever. So, but it's the same solution, and that's that's what I think is, is kind of powerful is it doesn't really matter if you're 18, 38, or 58. The solution is always the same, which is you have to start realizing – and I know this, this sort of goes into that sort of self-help kind of thing, which is um, – you know, can be sappy and, and – um, you know, rah rah, but it's like we really have to look for opportunity rather than security. Yeah, and and um, and so whether you're 18 or, or 58, I kind of always go back to the same thing: develop like mastery in, in a variety of skills, and then accredit yourself. And and that's I use that term to mean that you know, getting a credential from you know the Microsoft Academy or or some college or whatever, that's fine. But that's not enough anymore no. because everybody else has got a credential too. So what you want to do is you want to accredit yourself by, by, by building a network of people who know that, they, that you're the go-to person. You will, um, you, know, you will do what you say. You will do it on time. You communicate clearly. 
you have professional skills, and um, you're uh, accountable for for when things go you know south or things uh, get screwed up, then you've, you you know you you want to fix them. And this is what we all want in in our colleagues, our coworkers, and so you know you prove you can do that. In, in your chosen field of expertise, you're, you're going to get work because people are always looking for somebody that's trustworthy, reliable, and really knows how to fix the problems they've got. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, something I was, I was just thinking about, like every, every job that I've had that was good paying was because I knew somebody and they knew me and they knew my character and they, they could vouch for me based on that. Yes. And I think like developing your character and developing your worldview and your um, your continuing to develop your philosophy and your your values and manners, which that's a huge thing is manners. It's something that's so simple and nobody has. Um, well, not nobody. I mean, obviously we have manners, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's 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 like a it's a rare thing these days. And uh, and yeah, I think um, I think too. Like people need to to not live above their means. Like what, what I mean, and it goes back to like the debt society. Like you know have an income but also like i mean i i think i read uh rich dad poor dad like um probably almost 10 years ago and that was something that always kind of stuck in my head is like you know your assets and then your your job and you know don't 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 buy things based on your job you know if you're gonna buy a doodad or something make sure it's something that you've gained from your assets or from your um from from just like I guess just from something that you've built on your by yourself and and even then like I think you, people can still get carried away but uh, but something else I was thinking about was there's a I don't know why but when you were talking about um, uh, developing your skills and and doing the things that make you happy like I just watched this pretty good movie by John Favreau when I was on the plane called Chef and it's just about this guy he's like this brilliant chef in a restaurant but he doesn't own the restaurant. And the guy that owns the restaurant just keeps kind of like just messing with his creativity. And then finally he just opens up this food truck and it just kind of explodes because he's happy. And his, his son is helping him through social networking and through the Internet. And he's getting really popular through the Internet. And uh, it's a pretty interesting movie. Um, it's worth checking out. Um, but, uh, man, I had something else to say, Charles. I'm, I'm really good at staying focused during this conversation. <laughs> well, like I said, me too, because uh, we're talking about so many big topics, self-development, yeah. um, the future economy, um, you know, how to succeed in, in, a, in a world, as you say, that where institutionalization just leads to failure and, and, you, and um, uh, depression. But, you know, I want to – speaking about that chef thing, I, I want to sh- briefly share that, um, you know, I went to um, Oregon on a camping trip recently and it was also a beer drinking trip <laughs> because you know uh microbreweries you know Oregon's a very hot scene so I went to Bend and I was just blown away by the enthusiasm of of the microbreweries there um it's just a it's just such a fun scene and people bring their kids which is legal in in Oregon until I think 10 p.m. or something and it's not some kind of like cave, you know, where a bunch of guys are getting drunk. It's it's like this really festive, fun thing, and everybody's loving the beer. They're they're working hard to make great beers. They're experimenting. There's um, good food. I mean, it, it was just such a wonderful scene. And of course, it was it was a young scene too. I mean, I didn't see too many, you know, geezers, <laughs> but um, that uh, <laughs> but it was 
it's open to everybody. You can be retired, you can have young kids. And I, I just, um, I think that's the future of America, frankly, not just beer halls and microbrewery, but, but that kind of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually very similar to my Arizona trip. Like I talked about it earlier and it, I was thinking when you were saying about that camping trip, like, uh, with the Jackalope Freedom Festival that Alma put on in uh, in Arizona, like every it was like a little economy. Like people, one guy was selling like quail and rabbit tacos. Another guy was uh, making Navajo dogs on like these things. And this other guy had a bar. And it was just like this cool little economy. And it was all based on like what people had cre- been created. And it was very enthusiastic. And there was like a certain energy in the air. And it was very exciting. And I think I think it's because everybody's created something. And everybody's proud to to create and everybody wants to to taste it like oh you made you made some mead oh man i've never really had mead like i I know vikings drank mead that sounds exciting (laughs) or uh or just something like that and i I think you're absolutely right like uh you know i think it's 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 exciting like there's something about when you create something or when you do something and you you like basically get on the internet you're like okay how do i how do i make craft beer Okay, so there's a couple ways I could do it. I could do like a beer starter kit, or I could actually make it from wheat. And then like it takes longer and it's harder to do, but but you know that's I think that's the right way to do it. And I think once you when you put some work into something, or even like growing food, like going back to the farmers, like you know even though it's not like real laborious activity, you have to keep doing it. You know you have to water your plants, you have to or you have to do different steps in making the beer. And I think like. When you have a relationship with your work like that, instead of just being a worker bee, where nobody's actually telling you what you need to do except for yourself, it's so much more rewarding in a sense. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and again, it's I know it sounds like um, – again, it sounds too much like that's kind of self-help stuff. But we're really talking about authenticity and so much yeah. of our – culture is inauthentic and fake and fraudulent and so it's like the excitement that you're describing comes from you know being authentically engaged with other people who are authentic and and not just phony or or grinding out their time to get a paycheck and um i want to mention real quickly here since we're talking about skills is i i list those um like eight professional skills and and one of them is, of course, the the manners and um, processes of communication, um, and and being able to listen and and respond and put down your ideas in a logical order. But two other skills that are always useful in anything, from making beer to um, launching, you know, a credit union, is project management and and accounting for everything. You know, time, money. Um, processes, you know, like managing processes. So, because whether it's making beer or um, or doing something large scale, they all, y'all, you always are using project management and accounting skills. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's something that that's something that it's interesting to me working in the telecommunications industry, like knowing how we just inflate numbers or even any retail thing. It's all about numbers. But it's not actually about the actual growth. It's about making numbers look better on paper. <laughs> like <laughs> it's always been that way. It's like even in like, uh, man, even where I, I, I can't, I shouldn't probably talk about it. But even like more recent jobs, you know, it's not about like net growth. It's about gross. And it's like, well, gross isn't really what counts. It's really counts as net. Like, okay, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think like even people's accounting in their homes, like. 
um, that's something I'm I'm really focusing on and uh, like just getting my money right because I was so when I I mean I was making pretty good money as a young kid and I was so bad with my money like I would just blow it paycheck to paycheck. But it, it's important to me now that like I'm getting older. I'm like you know eventually I'd probably like to have a family like. You know, Jim uh, Jim Rohn, I was a big fan of his uh, before he passed away, but he always said that, you know, before you start a family, you should build a, a, f- a foundation, a financial foundation that you can grow from. And, you know, you don't want to you don't want to think about that after you have a kid. You want to you want to think about it before you have a kid. And uh, and, and I think it's the same thing just with with everyday living or, or starting a business, you know, like you, you want to make sure you have, you know, the proper capital so it's not a struggle. So you can make decisions. If you need something, you can you can do it. And and again, like you gotta start where you can. I mean, like, you know, if if you if you start out in, you know, any small thing, you know, let's let's say it's, you know, I mean, one one entrepreneurship thing that's really kind of taken off, which I had no idea about, is like sneakers, which is pretty crazy to me, but like Nikes and Air Jordans and everything, like I don't I don't know if you've ever been to a, a sneaker like uh, convention or just anything, but it's worth looking into, Charles, because you'll see like there's different levels. You'll see kids that are coming in; they can't afford to get a table, and they honestly don't have enough shoes. But what they do is they take their shoes that they've worn and they take care of, and they try to trade up. And so, okay, so I'll trade these two okay pairs for a good pair, and then they take care of that, and then and then maybe they'll trade that one good pair for a few pairs of average pairs. And it's like it's a continuing thing, and it's and it's kind of cool to see with entrepreneurship, like. From helping my buddy work at his sneaker table, it is annoying to deal with these kids because they always want to trade, and we're just looking for cash. However, I'm not going to hate on those kids because they're 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 actually learning something that's going to help them in real life down the future. Like they're going to learn how to barter, which is or negotiating skills, and they're going to also learn. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 actually kind of a cool thing to be a part of, and it's um and and I never knew about it because it's just not it was never a part of my culture. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And what's interesting, too, is we should speak quickly about the maker culture, <clears throat> which um, your generation is really embracing. And I think that's another ex- really exciting, you know, super fundamental trend is the idea that you can um, start making stuff yourself with like maybe a 3D f- fabrication, um, you know, desktop printer. And so then you start customizing sneakers. Yeah, you know, um, or even like autos, you know, cars, vehicles. I, I'm I'm beginning to think that um, the future is not like some car company that like the old model where it makes like eight million of the same thing, but more like um, guys taking like a Toyota engine and um, you know and a Ford chassis and then like customizing it, and then that would be the really cool thing that everybody would want. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you? That actually made me realize I was watching. Um Jay Leno's YouTube channel, I came across this guy, Magnus uh, something, but he's got this this awesome business of customized Porsches. Like, it's not necessary performance, but he, like, rebuilds all these Porsches, Porsches, and then before that, he was doing custom clothing. And it's, like, customization is such a huge thing. Um, or this guy, uh, it's actually this guy, JR Customs. He was a guy, he's a really tall dude, and he had really big feet, and he liked sneakers, but he couldn't he couldn't fit into any of them, so then he just started making his own, and everybody thought they were so cool. Now it's like you know four thousand dollars for a custom pair, and he'll he'll use real snakeskin or he'll use that, and it's like, and it was all because it all started from I like these sneakers, and my feet are too big for them, and so I can never buy them. And it's like so we, and it's just interesting the way um, 
it's interesting the way people get started. It's usually because they want to be a part of something and society says you can't. So they're like, that's fine. I'll just create it on my, for my own. And then everybody else wants to be a part of that. And then they start a wave. Um, that is totally the model that, that we're talking about. Uh, you know, if, uh, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to just be sneakers. But that example is, um, to me, an excellent um, illustration of what we're talking about. Like developing something that the guy's excited about. There's a, a need for, you know, because there's other big guys that, you know, that, don't, uh, that don't fit normal sneakers. And, and there's an authenticity to the thing because um, the guy was creating something um, that he was enthusiastic about and that there was real value in. Yeah, it was made from hand. And it's, uh, and, I, and I think that's, and with 3D printing too, I mean, I think that's exciting too, especially with uh, Cody R. Wilson making all of his, uh, all of his gun clips and everything else like that. I mean, like, that's that's something else. I mean, like, people try to demonize this thing, but, like, people like to cut. Like, that's something that, like, when, like, hobbies are so important because people like to customize their own stuff because everybody's different. Like, you know, uh, man, that just made me think, like, even, like, a chair. Like, let's say I'm really tall or just there's something wrong with my hips, so I like to be, I like chairs to fit a certain way. I like them to be more comfortable. But it just so happens that, what's more comfortable for me is actually more comfortable for everybody. So everybody else wants to get on these chairs and, uh, or, or just anything. just like what you were saying, it's, it's really actually exciting to think about, um, that there's so much opportunity. All, all you really have to do is think about what, what's uncomfortable for me or what don't I like? Or like, or, I mean, that's probably how online dating started. Like, look, you know, I don't like meeting people. I honestly, I don't have time. I'm busy. I don't like going to bars People get weirded out when I approach them in a grocery store. So I just want to create a network online where there's other people that are like me and we're just going to go from there or, or dating services in general or like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what? I don't have time or I'm shy. So I'd rather just pay. I'd, I'd rather just agree to pay or there's other people that would be to pay to be a part of something if they actually have value. And I think that's, um, I think that's really interesting, man. I, I'm just, I'm just kind of going on these tangents now. I'm just thinking about it. Like, there's just so much opportunity. I mean, there's so much, there's just so much stuff like, like, uh, the guy that started, uh, um, hoarders that show, like he got started because he, he liked, I mean, he liked cleaning and he was just like, you know, I, I'm, I was an addict and pretty much. So what he did was he found the, the biggest local cleanings place that everybody went to. And he said, okay, are there jobs that you won't clean? And they said, absolutely. Like anybody that has this, he goes, okay, well, I'll take those jobs. And it's it's just like it's just interesting. My friend, um, my friend Matt started this uh, GIS company because he didn't like working for his boss anymore. And he's like, you know, I don't I don't need this guy to do this. So then he's just like, and the guy's like, well, if you take my any of our clients, will go after him. He's like, that's fine. I'll find my own clients. And he found his own clients. And now it's like him and his brother just do it together. And it's actually like it's a family run business. They they go all over the country doing redistricting school zones and everything else like that. I mean, there's. There's plenty of opportunity for like entrepreneurship right now, especially like right now. Um, it's, it's exciting. I think, uh, I think, you know, and, and it, sometimes I get frustrated with myself because I, I don't, I mean, I'm still waiting on an idea for me or I, I guess maybe I, I don't have the necessary pain points to, to figure out what really just pisses me off. And it's something that I need to like, something that I would want to change. And then I, I, and then you find someone within, um, what were we talking about? The, uh, what did you say? The loose network or the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weak ties. Yeah, strength of weak ties. Yeah, the the, the network of the network. <laughs> yeah, and then you you find somebody that that wants that. You know what? 
I trust this guy, you know, and somebody's going to give you a job that you might not do your best job in, but they like it because you're friends of a friend and they'd rather give their money to somebody that they know. And, you know, even if you don't do the best job, but if you do a good enough job at first, and then you can kind of refine your skills. So sorry about that, Charles. I was long-winded. You're my guest, and I'm just like... Just, just talking nonstop. <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're having a conversation, and um, and we're each sparking off um, good stuff. You know that the other the other guy said because I was thinking, you know, there's this whole guy, this whole dirty jobs thing. The guy's got the TV program and and some books and stuff about how um, the jobs that everyone was told for you know decades that oh don't don't go into welding or you know working in an oil refinery or you know that kind of dirty work. That's 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 horrible. You want to work in a cubicle. And then it turns out that, you know, the dirty jobs pay well and they're actually kind of fun <laughs> because you're working in the real world, you know. Yeah. And um, so there is some – I think we um, – I want to speak quickly to just the the, the huge range of, of jobs that are um, – and opportunities, you know. It's everything from, um, you know, f- developing a fish farm, you know, instead of like strip, stripping the oceans, you know, that or using like, um, you know – uh, pesticides and stuff in these gigantic fish farms you know it's it's actually something that can be very localized you can have a, a fish pond that that you manage organically and then then you can sell that uh, sell those fish and 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 get a premium because they're not uh, laced with pesticides and people can feel good about uh, about it uh, about enjoying the fish and and not thinking oh you know i'm i'm helping to destroy the seas you know so there's a lot of different, um, as you say, opportunities and people who are interested in it's connecting with those people. And I think I always have to go back and say we're at the beginning of this process. It's still not that easy, you know, but it's going to get easier as time goes on. Yeah, and even like uh, to build on the fish farm, I mean, you can you could take that pond and try to build like an aquaponics little uh, um, irrigation system and, and then grow a garden too or have it run into a greenhouse and – and uh, I mean, there's there's just so much stuff you can just build on. Just okay, I have this. What can I take this, and how could I expand this, or what 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 do I need to do this? And and it's uh, it's always I think it's always like just like what you said earlier, like staying in the, like that adolescent mind, or continuing to like somebody somebody I forget who said it, but continuing to sharpen the saw, like continuing to sharpen the saw. Okay, I have this skill. How can I use? And you talk about this in your book. How can I take this skill and apply it to this skill? Or how could this skill help me learn this skill? And it's, um, it's exciting, man. Like, I, I, think your, I think your book's awesome, and I think your blogs are great. Um, uh, I tell you what, we're about an hour. I'm enjoying talking to you, and I could keep talking to you. I don't know if you, got, if you can keep talking, Charles, or if you, would, if you want to wrap it up. Um, Let's do another show um, later, you know, after because you, you have a lot of great guests. And um, when you get a slot, let's. Um, I'd love to continue our conversation. Yeah, anytime. Um, so, well, real quick, guys, if you if you like Charles, which uh, I I'd strongly recommend reading his blog. It's of two minds. Is it of two minds dot com or of two minds dot org? Uh, dot com. Okay. Okay. I thought it was dot com. I'm really good at. Uh, Remembering people's plugs, Charles. I'm just kidding with you. The inter- with Google, it makes it so simple, and it kind of goes back to automation. Like your memory with with technology, you know, you, you don't have to rely on your memory as much. Like or spelling. Like I've actually learned to spell a lot through Google. Like 
Like, oh, man, I'm not sure how to spell that word. Let me do a Google search. Okay, Google corrected it for me. Me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> but of Two Minds blog, uh, I'm also a big fan of that mac- macro. Um, you have a link in the, at the end at the bottom of your blogs right now with the book link, and then it's the uh, you do it with the Gordon T. Um, Long. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a podcast, and it's also uh, yeah. a vidcast. You have these great slideshows. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, it's just uh, Gordon is kind of a finance guy, but uh, we do talk about um, a lot of different um, aspects of, of um, society and culture, and not as it relates to you know financial trends and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I was I was uh, listening actually this morning, trying to get like you know getting pumped up for. Um, getting different ideas or how, how the conversation was going to go. And I was listening to him talk about uh, the new car market and the inflation of the new car market and how the used, they're trying to really combat the used car market, which is so inflated at the time. Like you could get really good deals by selling your car because nobody wanted to buy a new car because it was so expensive. And, uh, man, I actually was going to actually was going to talk to you. Maybe next time we can talk more into, into more uh, maybe not as positive things, but kind of more interesting things about the uh, – the so-called good economy that we have and the, the bull market that we have and everything else that's just kind of an illusion. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, you, we can also follow you on Twitter. It's, uh, I follow you and I, I actually uh, uh, tweet out a lot of your stuff. It's, it's Char- what is your Twitter um, handle again? It's uh, just my name, uh, Charles Hugh, H-U-G-H, Smith, uh, one word. Okay. And you can always just Google Charles Hugh Smith and and get a, a load of <laughs> everything yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and you've wrote uh you've wrote fifteen books now or fourteen Yeah, books. I think so. Yeah and uh, Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean everything's really good reading. I'm I'm looking forward to reading your novels in the future, but I'd ha- strongly recommend um people purchasing your book on Amazon. Um it's called Get a Job and Defy a or build a career in a defying economy. Yeah, defy a bewildering economy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it is bewildering. Let's face it. Yeah, it's not good. My mom, uh, my mom finally. She's fifty five. She finally got a job, a good job. Finally, after like a year and a half, she's a social worker, and it took her about a year and a half. Moved, uh, moved to Youngstown, Ohio, which isn't exactly a, a booming economy amongst economies. Like where I'm at, it's Columbus is actually still pretty good, but still. Um, I think in Ohio in general, like being a part of the Rust Belt and like just knowing that, I mean, I think for people in Ohio, if you're listening to this and you're in Ohio, I think you especially need to pick up Charles's book. Um, but anyways, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, check out Charles's stuff and, um, and yeah, I look forward to having you on again soon, sir. Thank you very much, Drew. I really enjoyed it. Uh, me too. <laughs>